<laughs> right. It's <Stop>. October. <laughs> yeah, it is, Beach. Welcome <clears throat> Welcome. To the first of our October specials. Mm-hmm. So, as promised, we are bringing you stories that were investigated by the world-famous Ed and Lorraine Warren uh, every week throughout the October season. Month, it's not mm. season, it's a month. Um, so season in my heart. You know, because <clears throat> it's spooky season and we kind of thought, let's do something crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, <laughs> I, will, I have been enjoying uh, researching, so I'm quite excited for the rest of the month. Yes, definitely. The Warrens obviously had some... Uh, very interesting cases throughout their career. So, Robbie, mm-hmm. why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Well, first, I will who, say... Who are they? Where did they come from? <laughs> I was going to say, who are we? Where do we come from? Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, I'm Drew. <laughs> I'm Robbie. <laughs> and we are together. But we're not. <laughs> no, we're not. We're in separate households, just so that you're yeah. aware, because of the new rules. But we're not here to talk about coronavirus, because I swear to God, if I hear someone <laughs> say coronavirus one more time... Mm-hmm. I'm going to jump out a window. <laughs> well, see, uh, probably yeah. all our listeners are like, oh, it doesn't sound like absolute balls, so they must be in the same room. Oh, no, exactly. No. It doesn't sound like I'm in a tin can, because we were <laughs> yeah. prepared for this, because we knew this is probably going to happen again. Well, we were prepared, and then we recorded the whole thing, and it sounded like ass, so we had to do it again. <laughs> yeah, it's, it sucks, I'm not going to lie. And we were like, we can't, we can't allow our listeners to have this garbage in their ear holes <laughs> yeah it was awful you know, they deserve better than that am i right yeah um, i want i want you to say it out loud if you're listening to this podcast say i deserve better give me a second <laughs> okay say it now no you don't <laughs> <laughs> okay welcome to trick or tea i'm drew and that's robbie sorry yep. i stole that from you but anyway tell us about the warrens jeez all right jeez louise mama cheese papa cheese <laughs> Mama cheese. Okay, all right. Mama it's cheese. a it's a woman's world. Um, so the Warrens. Let's get yeah. into it. Yeah. You know them. You know them from the Conjuring films. Yes. Um, absolute beasts of films. But uh, yeah. So Ed and Lorraine Warren were demonologists, with most of their work being in the sixties and seventies. But they had about three decades worth of cases. They did mm. a lot of shit. Yeah, they saw a lot of stuff. <clears throat> Yeah, so back in the day, um, they met at their church in Bridgeport, Connecticut in 1944. Cute. Um, yeah, and then Ed enlisted into the Navy in 45, but was only deployed for four months as his ship was sunk. So I think that gave him a bit of a shock, and he was like, right, I need to get back to my wife or my, my lady. So Yeah, he wants to be back to being a, a, a land lover. Exactly, so... Uh, when he got back, they got hitched, and six years later had a daughter called Judy. Judy, Judy. How many years um, later? Six years later. I thought you said 60. I was like, boy, no, that's not true. <laughs> 60 <laughs> years later. We can't lie to them. <laughs> so uh, the same year that they had Judy, um, Ed went back to school. So he went to Perry Art School, um, and he often painted haunted houses and other ghostly creations. He just he found something pretty cool about that um while he was doing this he was also researching um demons and spirits and they were like majorly into the church and i think he yeah. um 
he was like, right, I want to know what these these nasty things are. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Um, he left the college after two years, and they started selling his paintings around tourist spots. So this is how they started to get into the kind of supernatural stuff because um, Lorraine was a medium, so she could talk to spirits. And was a large. Was <laughs> I've said this joke so many times. You always shut me down. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Oh, I'm so sorry. I had to throw it in. <laughs> um, <laughs> so Ed started to become more obsessed with the supernatural and loved going to haunted houses to investigate when they were going around selling his paintings. So, um, a way to get into the houses, so Lorraine would maybe get a feeling of, like, okay. something spooky going on. Sure. So, Ed would sketch the house and then give it to the owners, hoping that they'd kind of let them <laughs> in. So, they'd be like, oh, do you like your sketch? They're like, oh, I'll come in for a cup of tea. And they're, like, going around the house just being like, who are you? Oh, like, God. That's... Reveal yourself! <laughs> they're like, uh, I'm just getting the milk, mate. <laughs> They're like, what did you say something? They're like, no, 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 no. no. no we, weren't, <laughs> we weren't talking to you. <laughs> Meanwhile, there's like a demonic figure in the corner. like, <laughs> <laughs> It's like, boy, no. <laughs> so, so in mm-hmm. 1952, they formed the New England Society for Psychic Research, or NESPR. Um <laughs> Uh, which is also the oldest ghost hunting group in New England. Cool. Yeah. Um, so Lorraine was, as I said, she was a medium, and Ed was the demonologist. So um, the definition of a demonologist being a set of beliefs about people or things regarded as harmful or unwelcome. Um, so well. essentially I'm a demonologist to my wife, Mary. <laughs> <laughs> Demonologists. It's um, a pretty cool title. So they investigated... Like yeah. Yeah, yeah, just having that title. Just like, oh yeah, I'm just a demonologist. What are you? Yeah, like at a dinner party, like, what do you do for work? Like, oh, I'm, like, I'm an accountant. It's like, oh, I'm a demonologist. Cool. <laughs> it's like... Moving yeah. on. <laughs> Tell it's me like, yeah, are. I bet you are. It's like, I'm also a large, <laughs> large medium. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Absolutely no disrespect to any, any, no disrespect at all to any mediums that may be listening. <laughs> kind of hope there are mediums listening because that's cool. The yeah, but the thing is, do, it's very cool. That's probably their joke. They're probably oh, raging. They always use that. Hundred percent. Or they get that definitely. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, um, so they investigated over ten thousand supposed hauntings and kept a lot of the artifacts and relics that were attached to the demonic entities. Um, and put them into the Warren's Occult Museum attached to their home that can be visited and will be visited by us. Hell yeah, one day, definitely. One day. Um, Mm. It looks like it's actually closed for the minute, but Mm. it'll be back. Just a hot minute. Yeah, exactly. It better be back. If too long. Annabelle's even there, she might have escaped. <sighs> she again. might have escaped. That was honestly <laughs> see the TikToks and <laughs> the memes of her escaping from the museum. They were actually just giving me life. Eh? They were so funny. The one oh. of Annabelle calling uh, Satan. Oh, and he's like, "Yo, I'm out," and she's like, "I swear, I <laughs> swear, swear. <laughs> I swear." And then the devil just starts screaming, laughing like, "Ah!" <laughs> oh, so it's good. so good. 
so funny good. <laughs> I saw another one and it was like someone dressed as the Annabelle doll in a car, like proper, mm. like bouncing about, dancing <laughs> to um, WAP by Cardi B. <laughs> oh, God. oh my God. It's so funny. And they captioned it, Annabelle on her way to meet her demon friends to cause some <laughs> chaos. And I'm just like, I can't deal with this. It's so funny. There's holes in this house. There's holes in this house. There's holes in this house. Oh, uh, right. Goodness me. Goodness <coughs> me. me. So the Warrens, they had a pretty. Uh, very very interesting career yeah so they also did lectures where they discussed many of the cases um, which is shown in the Conjuring movies Um, Mm. and Lorraine actually had a cameo in the lecture scene in the first Conjuring yeah you told me this the other day I had no idea never even noticed Mm. it I think so honestly though I've seen I went to the cinema to see the Conjuring and I think I've maybe watched it once since then oh really it's like my go to Really? Yeah, I love watching it. Oh, because it still to... scares me. Mm. Like even the the clapping. Oh, those scenes freak me out. I love it so much. Definitely. Um, but Definitely. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, so it's about the forty-five minute mark um, when they're doing a wee lecture, and she's sitting on the front row. I actually, <laughs> Mary and I were just watching it, and Mary just saw my like remote lift and I was just like waiting to pause to find where it was. she's like what are you waiting doing I was like catch the moment yeah Man. Um, so neither of them are alive anymore sadly um, yeah. Ed died at the age of 79 in 2006 and Lorraine died in 2019 at the age of 92 wow yeah so uh, but yeah I didn't know I was reading up like Lorraine actually had a big part I think she was an executive producer on the Conjuring films. Oh yeah. So, um, because they do have a very quick segment about Amityville in I think the start that, of the second movie. That's right. Yeah, because they're it's loosely based on the seance that they did when they actually right. went to Amityville. Because um, yeah. Lorraine's kind of like walking around, like shooting, firing the gun, and it's kind of like she's in the mindset of Ronald. Mm. You know See, I, mean? I don't remember that scene at all. I, um, I was actually trying to watch Conjuring Two yesterday. And oh, find so it. it's like it's really cool the way they do it. So like the camera kind of pans in from the window, and mm-hmm. then you see that they come into the room, but the window has that like obviously the iconic like triangle shaped window from the Amityville house. Yeah, and you're just like, oh my god, it's Amityville! Like, there's been so many rumors going around that they are actually making an Amityville Conjuring movie, which would be insane i'm not yeah. gonna lie um well, which you'll find out soon why um there's actually i was looking they've got a third one being released next year yeah and it's it's actually a haunting i don't know much about so oh, i yeah? need to read up and maybe exciting yeah very exciting but that's the warrens that's all about them that's all that's need the to warrens know. so to kick it off we mm-hmm. decided that we would start with None other than the Amityville hauntings. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Has been described as one of the most famous haunted houses in history. Or even the most famous house in history. Yeah. Haunted house. (laughs) Not the most famous house. That's probably like the Kardashians' house or something. I don't know. Oh, God. I would personally say it was the Osborne's house. I miss the Osborne so much. It was literally my favourite show when I was a kid. Me too. Except I don't know if they actually have that house anymore they may have moved yeah i think they have moved but oh i love the house so much oh, anyway so cool 
we're not here. We're not here to talk about the Osborns. We might do an episode on the Osborns. <laughs> sure, who knows? They're kind of cool. Ozzy definitely. He's definitely dabbled in some dark shit. You know. Yeah. Um. Anyway, so the Amityville hauntings. How did it all start? What Tell happened me. before? So I want it. The DeFeo family mm-hmm. lived in this house. Uh, so Ronald DeFeo Sr. was a car salesman who worked within the family business and had made quite a decent bit of dollar oh. uh, from this. So they splashed out and bought this house on 112 Ocean Avenue, New York. Yeah. Uh, Amityville, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, so they were a nice little family. So his wife Louise, uh, they had five children. So this, the oldest being Ronald Jr. Uh, and then their daughter, their daughter's uh, Don and Allison, and then their young sons, Mark and John. John being the youngest at nine years old. Mm-hmm. Um, so, on November 13th, 1974, Ronald DeFeo Jr. appeared at a bar where he found his friends and he had asked them to come back to the house because something had happened. Something pretty bad had happened. Mm-hmm. So, turns out that his entire family had been shot dead in their beds uh, and were found lying face down in the beds. Okay, so Ronald Jr. was taken uh, to the nearby police station for his own protection because he had told the police who he Mm -hmm. believed was responsible for these murders, which was a mob hitman called Louis Fellini. (gasps) What a shame. Um, What? What? (laughs) <laughs> what a shame, it must have been him. Must have been him, must have been him. Uh, so yeah, apparently the family had like a sort of history with this Lewis guy. Uh, they were quite good friends with the family, uh, so the the dad of the family, Ronald Sr., he, uh, he was really good friends with them at one point, and he actually lived in the house with them. Hmm. Um, but turns out that he had like hidden like jewels and money and stuff like in the basement. Because he was a, because he was a real crookster. Oh, he's a wee um, Yeah, but turned out that uh, Louis Fellini wasn't even in the state of New York at the time <laughs> of the murders. Hmm. So he's out as a suspect, yeah. I guess. Uh, so Ronald Jr. had made a statement that he was up late that night, uh, the night of the murder. So he was watching a movie till around two a.m. and then he went upstairs. Uh, to try and go to sleep but he couldn't mm-hmm. sleep he was very awake so it came to about 4am and he thought oh do you know what I'll get up early and go into work early <laughs> at 4am <laughs> Yeah. Fuck so that. he got to work at 6am which was the same dealership where his dad worked uh, so all, the, all his colleagues were like where's your dad like what's what's mm. going on uh, so Ronald was kind of like oh yeah you should be here uh, so mm-hmm. he called him they were trying to call the house no answer nothing um God, let me just remember the exact... So there's so many particular sort of, like... Particular sort of, like, parts to the story of when it actually all happens. Mm-hmm. So, uh, later that day, he went to a bar with his friends and then decided he better go home and check that his family was okay. Suspicious. Right. Sounds mm. a bit suspicious to me. Yeah. Uh, he then later returned to the bar that night and told his friends what he'd found. They're like, what's going well. Um, yeah, the they're all they're all half cut, like drunk, like what? <laughs> what? Okay. Uh, he later had changed his story, 
mm. after obviously talking to the police. So sorry, I'm I'm making this sound a lot more confusing than it was. <laughs> so basically, yeah, he was at this bar. Like he'd been, he went to work early, and then he went to this bar. So he avoided going to his house all day, but mm. he apparently had tried to contact his family all day. Why he knew what was yeah. there? Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, so he later changed his story and told the police that Lewis, this hitman, had actually made him watch while he shot his whole family. Mm. Mm, strange because he wasn't in the state, man. Yeah. The next day he confessed to the murders. <laughs> He's like, "Oh fuck, I better just do it." Well, who could have known? So he shot his parents first, two bullets each for his parents, and then one bullet each for his siblings. Oh, um, he pleaded insanity in court and told the judge that it was voices in his head that had actually told him to kill his family. Um, mm. And they'd actually, no bigger pardon, the voices apparently were telling him that his family were planning to kill him. Right. However, he was looked over by a psychiatrist and they came to the conclusion that he basically had like an antisocial personality disorder, but he was definitely aware of what he had done. Yeah. So, he was sentenced to six life uh, sentences in prison. Fucking right. Yeah, definitely deserved. Not nice. Uh, But this is when the sort of supernatural, paranormal kind of aspects of it started to come out, when he was actually in prison. Mm. So from jail, he started to tell people that the famous quote, the devil made him do it. Okay. So, but also it was a well-known fact that he was into drugs. Like he used mm-hmm. heroin and LSD pretty frequently. Um, the night of the murders, he was on LSD. Um, he was kind of falling in and out of sleep and he was watching this war documentary movie thing. Mm-hmm. Um I don't know what it is, but uh, apparently someone was like, yeah, if you watch it, like the last 20 minutes of this documentary, it's just like sheer carnage, like just brutal, bloody violence. Mm -hmm. And he kind of woke up while this was on in the background, while he was like on LSD. I don't know, it's so trippy. Um, He also claimed that a demonic figure walked up to him and handed him the gun and basically told him to get to it, you know? Uh, nasty stuff. Mm. Um, yeah. But this is where it starts to get wild. Okay, so there are like okay. many theories of what actually happens. Um, so, turns out there was actually a drug enforcement agent who had came forward and said that he was watching the DeFeo house. It's like it was okay. under surveillance because I guess Robert was into like LSD and heroin and stuff. Yeah. Um, so the night of the murders... He saw Don, his sister, mm-hmm. leaving the house wearing a hooded jacket and gloves, carrying a gun, which she uh, threw into the backseat of a car and then drove out to the dock where she disposed of it. Okay. Uh, which was also apparently where Robert's gun. Uh, Robert, I keep calling him Robert. <laughs> his name's Ronald, beg your pardon. Where I'm not his, a murderer, okay? Where his, I know, I keep looking at you through the screen, I'm like, it was Robert. you. Uh, and that's apparently where Ronald's weapon was found so it's like what Mm. Uh, so they tested Don's clothing and found unburnt powder on it which was clear evidence that she had fired a gun that night right but a lot of people say because the the way that Don was shot she was shot pretty close range she was actually Mm -hmm. shot in the face so like half her face was kind of gone horrible stuff um Yes, she was shot at such close range that people were like, well, maybe it was just the powder from, like, Ronald's gun. Yeah. I don't know. 
It's a strange one. Hmm. There was no blood on her headboard. Hmm. None. So she was like shot somewhere else. She might have been shot somewhere else in the house. Hmm. Um, it also came out that the DeFeo's grandfather had been overheard telling Ronald uh, Jr. he wanted to hear no more of the girl and that Ronald Jr. was to take the blame for all of it. Okay. There's I don't know, there's a lot of theories around this. It's, it's a strange one. Mm-hmm. Um, so the main theory he, that comes from this is that um, Ronald and Don had co-conspired together to kill the parents. Okay. Uh, but Ronald was too messed up on drugs, so Don did it all, and... Out of revenge, Ronald had killed her. Jeez. Which, no matter uh, what it is, you it's know, fucking it's, uh, mental. Absolutely. Like, nobody really knows what would have drawn, sorry, drawn, which would have pushed, like, this, the Ronald Jr. to, like, shoot his entire family. I mean, yeah. his dad apparently was quite hard on him at times. He was bullied at school when he was younger for being overweight. Mm. Um, but later he told. Um, he told someone in prison that his dad was like his best friend. So it's like, huh? What? Yeah, there's something there's something mental. There's something there. very very there's a lot of pieces missing from this story. Yeah. But I guess it'll never actually I mean, Ronald Jr like he's still in prison to this day. Good. You know, he's still in prison to this day. So Yeah. Um who knows? The thing as well, like so the whole family were found lying again lying on their stomachs face down in their beds yeah. and they're later like they did like a toxicology report from all the all the people that had been killed and there were no drugs in their system nothing right. so like this is what makes me think like surely someone would wake up yeah well it doesn't make sense because you'd when hear, I was you'd hear a gunshot stuff, it was you'd like, hear, you know you'd hear the gunshot and you'd be like what the hell was that you'd jump up and be like what's going on yeah, well, it's even, like, when I was looking at the research, it was, like, they were shot in the back of their head as well, mm. which, like, I don't know many people that sleep on their stomach the whole night, especially mm. a whole family of six. Yeah. It's kind of strange. Yeah. And, obviously, the gun that he used, like, you have to sort of cock it and reload it every time yeah. you shoot it, because it was a rifle that he used. <sighs> yeah, nothing's adding up. I know it's such a strange one it's a huge mystery like what would actually happen but it came out that in the year 2000 mm. um in the year 2000 uh ronald met with an author uh rick osena who had mm-hmm. visited him in prison and was planning to write a book on the murders mm-hmm. and uh, he told uh this man that he indeed carried out the murders with his sister dawn so he told them mm. that Don was involved and his two friends apparently were there. So <sighs> apparently as his parents were planning to kill him, Don then killed the kids in order to eliminate witnesses and then Ronald then killed her for doing so, but this is unproven. So it's almost like they were they, they had planned to kill the, the parents, but mm. Don maybe turned and was like, no, we have to kill the, the kids so there's no witnesses. I mean, yeah. obviously that's that's not... Uh, true, like that's just a theory. I mean, mm-hmm. Don was also a victim, so you know, no disrespect to her at all. Yeah. Um. So who knows? Like, it's it's a massive mystery. <laughs> well, why didn't tell you, Drew? Is that this episode is actually going to be us solving the case? 
Yeah. So I hope you're willing to stay up all night. Well, as you it. as you can see from my background, I'm actually at the house. <laughs> so I'm ready to dive in. We're using Skype and I've changed my background to the, the Amityville house just for, you know, the theme. Yeah. So I'm going to just yeah. he- head in there and <laughs> see, what's, see, what, see what the real mu- murder, the mystery is. Um, yeah, obviously it's a huge, huge story. Like it was absolutely devastating. Like that, mm. that whole family were murdered. Um, but I now, guess we'll never really know the truth. Now I don't want to be. Well, I was going to say I don't want to be disrespectful, but it's Ronald Junior. I can do what I want with him because he's an arsehole. Well, um, yeah. I just like the idea of him being like addicted to heroin and LSD and shit, working in a car garage, like. <laughs> imagine just like putting your car in and you come back and there's like a door on the top (laughs) there's like no windows he's like trying to sort of like fix the car or sell people cars and he's pulled this car up and like oh do you want to test drive this one and it's like a shopping trolley like we're here for a car and he's like this is a car yeah this is a brand new lamborghini what are you talking about Um, just like we're gonna go yeah it's such a such an interesting an interesting tale, to say the least. There's actually a few things I wanted to say that I completely forgot about. Um, first of all, when it actually comes to the episode um, looking into Amityville, I actually used a couple sources that I just wanted to say if people wanted to look it up. So uh, the first one is actually the warrens.net. So it's the actual Warrens website. Um, it's I think it's now owned by their son-in-law, Tony. Because, yeah, I think he took over the museum Mm. and stuff. And, uh, yeah, so they've got case files. Um, I think if you want to deep dive into this stuff, you have to, like, pay him money. I'm like, Yeah, I don't think so. Um, Especially because I've got a book called uh, The Demonologist by Gerald Brittle, which also goes... It's not so much about the, the cases themselves. It's about how they kind of coped with the cases and their lectures and a lot of things. So I got a few quotes from the Warrens from this book. It's really mm-hmm. interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and apparently yeah. the actress, I can never remember how to say her name. Uh, we're, we're talking about this uh, from the oh. Conjuring. Uh, yeah. Vera Farmiga. Yeah. Actually it says it on the back of this. Of the book. Fear Farma- Farmiga. Farmiga? Farmiga? Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> the lady who... Yeah, she plays Lorraine Warren in the, the Conjurer movies. Yeah, she actually used the demonologist as her research for the role. So she read the whole book to kind of get into the character of Lorraine Warren. So oh, that's really cool. Nice. Um, that's cool. There's also another thing that I have to talk about, and I'm a bit embarrassed... <laughs> <laughs> so what's that? What's up? I got a wee text message from my lovely mummy, um, crying, <laughs> uh-huh. telling me that um, one of my stories that I told you all is not accurate, and she was not fibs. happy. It was fibs. It was all fibs. <laughs> Lies. So I can't remember what episode it was, but I talk about the black hand and. My mum and dad's house, there was like a ghost hand, and my sister and I were screaming at it, and I told you that it happened 16 times. It was nine. I'm sorry. Well, (laughs) nine times. Um, I was also only five, so how can I remember it? (laughs) How could you remember that? You're such a liar. Yeah. And I was like, mum, that's show business, okay? (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> That's the game we played, baby. <laughs> I can't remember the exacts, but it happened, okay? It did happen. The main thing is that it, I mean, it's more than once for me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, sorry, it's that it happened even just one time is scary enough for me. Eh? So, yeah. Um, I mean, my sister apparently saw it nine times and I saw it once at the end, but I was also five and would like copy my sister, <laughs> which I did say in the episode. Okay. I love that. It's so cute. <laughs> Just copy my sister because she saw it, so I saw it too. Oh, I did it all the time. Whatever she said she dreamt about or did, I would just copy when I was five. Be like, me too. That's, and she's like, you're a liar. That's so cute. <laughs> God. But we're not here for cute things. No, we're not. We're here for ghosts. Ghosts and demons and serial killers and cults and monsters and blah, blah, blah. So you will have to come back, unfortunately, and listen to part two of this episode to hear the spooky stuff. So we'll see you then, okay? Yeah, bye, bitch. Bye, 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 bye. <laughs>